0: Mic check one two one two. It's a taste to consider podcast. We are back for another episode. I know I've left y'all hanging two weeks. I left y'all hanging. Trust me, I got the complaints, but we back back for another episode. Let's go.
1: I choose me. <laughs>
2: Say stick and sit podcast. Yes, indeed, we back for another episode. Let's go.
1: I my point of view You won't grow away, no me
2: Say tickets to the podcast
1: I can't live in the matrix Rather far short of your graces This time I won't trade place. Nice Let's
2: go
3: I chose me, I'm sorry.
1: I chose me, I'm sorry, I chose me, I'm sorry She woke up in the morning for the daily news I was so low morning to the family feuds Baby, I told you story and laid down all the rules. Still you won't grow, ain't no me. I choose
2: me, I'm sorry. Say singing podcasts. I choose me, I'm sorry. Yes, indeed, let's go. I choose me, I'm sorry. I choose me, I'm sorry. I choose me, I'm sorry. Sticking to the podcast, we back for another episode.
1: Cause all of it's toxic. Girl, I'm not relevant to giving no profit. Personal gain of my pain is nonsense. Darling, my demons is off the leash for a mush pit. Baby, I just had a baby. You know she need me. Working on myself for counseling is not easy. Don't you point a finger just to point a finger? Cause critical thinking is a deal breaker. Faith in one man is a ship sinking. Do yourself a favor and get a mirror that mirror grievance. They pointed at me so the reflection can mirror freedom. She told me that she need me the most. I didn't believe her. She even called me names on the post. The world can see it. Jokes and gaslighting, mad at me, cause she didn't get my vote. She said I'm Trifling, disregarding the way that I cope with my own vices Maybe it's time to break it off Run away from the culture to follow my heart I realize true love not saving face But unconditional, when will you let me go?
2: Stick and sit a podcast. I chose me, I'm sorry. 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 I chose me,
1: I'm
2: sorry. This ain't sticking to the podcast. Taste to Consider Podcast, yes, indeed, Taste to Consider Podcast, we are back for another episode, yes, indeed,
0: oh, man, feels like it's been a minute because it has, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. Man, two weeks I've been off. Um, I I took a break. I didn't think it was going to. I thought I was just going to take a week off, but, um, <clears throat> yeah. I've been out in them streets, so not in a bad way, but, yeah. And I just needed a break, honestly, because, man, let me tell you, this Mercury retrograde, oh, man, since I have found – since I've discovered Mercury retrograde a few years ago, and you know, um, paying attention to it and stuff like that, as well as all a lot of the other retrogrades that goes on, because Mercury is not the only retrograde that happens. Um. Yeah, I gotta say this this Mercury retrograde uh had to be the one of the toughest mercury retrogrades that i've ever experienced personally and i'm saying that personally like i had to um one thing about retro retrogrades period you always gonna have to um kind of like slow down and reassess things it's all about the, the 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 re just think about re reassess revisit all of that, you know what I'm saying, review and this mercury retrograde, I I have revisited <laughs> a lot of things. Um nothing that I couldn't handle, but like this was this was a lot for this retrograde. Like when it comes to communication issues, um electronic malfunctions, um revisiting certain um situations or or uh situations that were similar like this this mercury retrograde was a beast for for me personally and it was to the point where i was just like man i gotta just take a step back and it 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 caught me it caught me off guard and i was just like man you know what i'm saying like and <laughs> I gotta say I don't think it I don't think it was a situation where I wasn't prepared for it, but it was some- it was obviously a retrograde that I needed, so it it caught me off guard and it took away my creativity, so to speak, like my full creativity, not well well let me let me rewind back, see they go that re again, rewind back. It didn't take away my full creativity. It took away a partial, partial creativity. Because I was still, you know what I'm saying, working on things, coming up with things. But it took away my my drive to record. like, And that's something that I had to take notice of because... I never want something to get in the way of me recording. And so it was a thing where, you know what I'm saying, that was a there was a portion of the Mercury Retrograde that affected me. And I was just like, man, you know what I'm saying? I never want this this type of thing to happen again where something affects me to the point where I don't record more than a week. You know what I'm saying? Because I've taken weeks off before, you know what I'm saying? And I've taken uh, multiple weeks off before, but... I made it, um, this particular year, I was like, I'm going to be more intentional about being consistent, and this this Mercury Retrograde rocked the boat a little bit. So, it's June 3rd, and June 3rd is supposed to be the end of Mercury Retrograde, although there is a two-week shadow period, so... Mercury retrograde is supposed to be knocked out completely uh, June 18th. But like I said, Mercury is not the only planet that goes into retrograde. Because right now, I believe starting tomorrow, Saturn is in retrograde. So y'all got to look that shit up for y'allself. Because if I start talking about all this shit, it'll be a four hour episode and <laughs> yeah I ain't trying to get into all of that. So like I said, this is a taste to consider podcast. I'm here to give you a taste of me and everything that I'm into. So I'm giving you a taste. If you wanna go into it, if you want to get a taste for it, you know what I'm saying, you do your own research <laughs> this time. <laughs> Cause I ain't I ain't got I don't feel like talking about all them retrograde stuff. But Yeah, I'm back. Back for another episode. Let me go ahead and introduce the uh, podcast because I ain't even intro the podcast. Let me go ahead and do that right now.
2: It's a taste to consider
0: podcast. I'm your host Derek Silver, and we back back for another episode. Yes, indeed, yes, we are back for another episode. Um, going through my outline right now, highlighting stuff that I'm already that I already gone through and trying to see what's next. Yeah, man. Like I said, this 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 retrograde has been a beast for me personally. Like I've had um like I said, had communication issues. Um, Shit, I've been having, I've been revisiting, or you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh, Reviewing issues with like, um, home, my house situation, getting repairs to the house and shit, stuff popping up. And then it was crazy because like, I don't know if anybody pay attention to, you know, like the Google, uh, backups and the apple backups and stuff like that when they send you like messages talking about some um his uh a memory or a review or something or whatever like two years ago like i had a similar incident with my house where i had to get a repair to something that has that dealt with my house around the same time and it was both mercury retrograde like though dealt, dealt two years ago from from um when I had to get the stuff some repairs done to my house this time and like even like I said it's June June 3rd and this supposed to be the last day of Mercury retrograde I'm still like shit still popping up but I can definitely see like the growth that um I've I've had like in those situations where things are not in my control and that's like a big thing that's that's been like a big thing with like a lot of the healing process that I've been going through or whatever going to therapy or whatever not trying to always be in control of situations and stuff like that so yeah it was a it was a gauge you know what I'm saying i got to see where i'm at you know what i'm saying uh mentally emotionally with some of this stuff you know what i'm saying i've ri- i've risen above certain things and certain things still affect me a little bit similar to couple of years ago but you know what i'm saying it's all good they they're all learning experiences so um i thrive on uh learning new things about myself and um i'm a i'm a very self-aware person so um i've had i've had uh moments of regression during this mercury retrograde as well as progression so you know what i'm saying um I think a lot of times us as human beings uh we beat we beat ourselves up for those regression moments but sometimes those regression moments are are very um uh, um important and purposeful for our continuous growth you know what I'm saying so it's it's all good but yeah Mercury this Mercury retrograde was a beast for me personally but yeah it's is it's, it's pretty much over And you know what I'm saying? I got to keep moving forward. Um, Yeah, so we back for another episode. But um, I was going to record last week, but it didn't work out because I had um, some uh, things to do. Some had a fishing trip. um, And just uh, a lot of things didn't line up to the point where I felt like I, I wanted to rush or push to record. So I just let it slide and, you know what I'm saying, we here right now, and that's all that matters. So, let me get into the show. And let me start out by saying, uh, let me start out by shouting out everybody who hit me up in the in the past two weeks when I didn't record. All the people who hit me up and, and um, was able, because a lot of people that hit me up were able to catch up on some of the previous shows that I've done. And gave me some great feedback and stuff like that. And I got a a, a message from a a, a listener. Um, you know what I'm saying? And it was a it was a it was a great message. It was a encouraging message. It was an uplifting message. You know what I'm saying? How they said that they wanted me. They enjoyed the show. They they um wanted me to to succeed. They wanted me to win and stuff like that. And that was. That was a great thing to to hear and stuff like that. And, of course, I got all the complaints, the personal complaints about me not recording or whatever. But it was all in jokes and stuff like that. So we all good. You know, I'm here right now. And as you're listening, um, I hope you're satisfied. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I'm back. And last week. I think it was last week when I when I was going to record, um, I got into a little Twitter war and I just like in the past couple of years, I recently started getting more active on Twitter and stuff like that. And so. I don't know how it started. But I've talked about Jamel Hill on this podcast before because I follow her on Twitter and I follow people that I don't agree with and stuff like that because that, you know what I'm saying, that's that that stuff don't bother me, you know what I'm saying? Um I think it's it's healthy to have um respectful conversations and stuff like that. Um so I don't I don't get bothered about following people because that that I don't necessarily agree with because you're not going to agree with everybody. We all different people but um okay now i remember how it st- how it started uh luke luke from two live crew right he uh he posted something and he was talking about um black people um and the democrat party and what what have they done since you know biden has been in office and stuff like that so um jamel hill she she uh tweeted she responded to his tweet and was like, um, "What she say?" She was like, uh, "No, cause uh, Luke, he was like, let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can pull it up. I'm gonna have to scroll through a little bit to see if I can find the jump. Um, because I had to mute the conversation because, like, it was, like, it was, it was getting ridiculous. Like the people that was responding to me and responding to the original posts and stuff like that. Okay." I think I found it. Let me see. Okay, Luke, Luke, he said, give me five reasons why black people should vote in the next election. Give me five black promises that has been fulfilled by politicians in the last election, mayor and president. So Jamel Hill, she responded to Luke, and she was like, serious question. How will not voting help? So I don't know what made me respond, because usually like when when I use Twitter, I just do it for entertainment, for fun or whatever, and just you know what I'm saying, shits and giggles and all that other stuff. I don't really be trying to engage into no type of conversations or debates or whatever because a lot of people on Twitter they, they just they just got a skewed perspective and mentality on things and they they just they do more reacting than they do responding. So I responded to her um, her question, which she said, serious question, how will not voting help? So then I responded and said, how will voting help? How has it helped in the past? So <laughs> she responded to me and said, how do you think civil rights happen? So then I responded to her and said, the civil rights movement, <laughs> Because if you want to be technical about it and really go deep into the research of the civil rights movement, it ain't have nothing to do with voting or anything. It had to do with black people coming together and sticking to their movement. It ain't have nothing to do with voting or no shit. What Particularly what we're lacking today in, 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 in our society and And uh, when it comes to black people, period, we it's it's difficult for us to come together. You know what I'm saying? Despite the fact that everybody is different. Everybody has different views. Back then, during the civil rights movement, I'm sure I'm pretty sure that everybody didn't agree on everything, but they agreed on the ultimate goal, which was given getting the civil rights um, bill passed and they came together and did that you know what i'm saying so then in the midst of uh, you know what i'm saying me and Jamel hill responding to each other then all these people start popping up and responding to me and all this other stuff and it's crazy it's just it's just it's just so crazy how you know um people are so unaware that they react as opposed to respond to people. And and I'm not gonna sit here and like take myself out of it. You know what I'm saying? That's that's a place where I used to be, you know what I'm saying? Before I started going to therapy and stuff like that. Everything was a reaction. Everything was a reaction. I was reacting. Feelings, 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 you know what I'm saying? Um and that's why I was saying like the previous episode that I did, you know what I'm saying? Facts over feelings. Facts over feelings. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people they just get so caught up into their feelings that they are reacting based off of their feelings and not really responding to what people are saying or responding to the actual facts or even being open to the actual facts. So it was so many people. It was people it was people that agreed with my my response and stuff like that. And, and there was a many and I responded to a lot of people even outside of that. But I ain't going to go into all of that for the show. But. Yeah, <laughs> it's just crazy how people get so caught up into their feelings and and they claim that they're, you know what I'm saying, um, pushing out counter arguments and stuff like that. But a lot of people were just doing pushing insults. A lot of people were, were trying to push insults toward me and stuff like that. But it didn't really bother me because I knew where it was coming from. But that, that'd be my whole point right there, you know what I'm saying, A lot of people just get so triggered and just fall into the trap of reacting to their feelings as opposed to responding to facts and and stuff like that. That's why I always say I will never debate with nobody because when it comes to debating, most people do not give facts. It's all opinions and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Or it's them being emotional and caught up into into their their feelings and stuff and plus we ain't on no debate team it ain't no prize and no, and nothing like that you know what i'm saying i'm all for having a conversation with someone and you know what i'm saying giving my opinion giving my giving my experiences and my perspective and stuff like that but i'm not going to debate with nobody because a lot of people just don't give facts or anything you know what I'm saying they don't even care about facts all they care about is their feeling they get triggered and then they just run with reacting, you know what I'm saying? And I'm speaking from experience, past experience and stuff like that. So I, I understand where it's coming from. So I don't take it personally, personally or anything like that. But in the midst of that whole Twitter war and stuff like that, it got to the point where, you know what I'm saying, me responding to certain people and stuff. I was picking and choosing who I was responding to based on their their response. And that that was solely based on if they were actually um you know what I'm saying coming with some sort of uh fact or if they was shooting out some insults or or you know what I'm saying in their feelings or something like that but eventually I just muted muted the conversation it was to the point where a hollywood director started um responding to me and this bammer was was giving out little slick uh, responses or whatever so i casually hit him with a couple of sarcastic um, <laughs> responses, and then I just left it al- left it alone because at that point I kind of, like, felt something rising inside of me. <laughs> so then I was like, nah, I ain't going to let nobody take me, you know what I'm saying, no place that I don't want to be and that, you know what I'm saying, it. and I'm not even going – that's why I be like, you know, what I'm saying, people gotta stop with this these cliche sayings of matching people's energy. I wasn't matching nobody' energy. I ain't, I ain't got time for that, nigga. You you can look stupid on your own and be uh, in your feelings and and stuff on your own. So I muted the conversation and left it alone. So um, I eventually went back and and started checking stuff, and people who kept going. So <laughs> I started a a whole Twitter war based off of that, <laughs> off of that response. But yeah, so like I said, it's June 3rd, and um, June 1st was actually the third anniversary of a Taste to Consider podcast. Yes, three years in, a Taste to Consider podcast. So I was definitely going to record today even if I didn't feel like it because this is the anniversary edition. <laughs> anniversary edition of a taste to consider podcast three years in. So yeah. Three years of a taste to consider podcast. Uh three years in of my solo effort. Um uh five years total of podcasting. Um, I started out with the unproductive and unapologetic podcast. Uh, I came up with the idea of, of, um, the group of my friends doing the podcast, uh, while I was laid off back in 2016, 2016, I came up with the idea that we should just go ahead and do a podcast. I kept pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, pushing the idea. And finally it it happened in twenty seventeen. And you know what I'm saying? The rest is is history there. So we got the UNU network. We got all the podcasts that's part of the network. So I'm here at Taste to Consider Podcast. I started at Taste to Consider Podcast in twenty nineteen. June first, twenty nineteen. And in the in the midst of me starting my solo podcast. Uh, we were still in the process of doing the unproductive and unapologetic podcast, you and you podcast, and I started out just thinking that you know what I'm saying I was gonna keep this uh a taste of consider podcast is just as a mental health podcast, um because, um. We were still doing the u n u podcast, and on the u n u side we were discussing everything pretty much um a similar format to what I do now, discussing pretty much everything um music movies um political topics uh relationship stuff, society and culture stuff like that <clears throat> so that's what I started out as um a taste to consider podcast with just you know what I'm saying mental health uh topics. Um, a lot of personal stuff. Um, I, I talked about a lot of things that was, um, part of my blog, greatest I am com, Instagram, greatest.i.am.blog. Um, but yeah, eventually the pandemic happened and, um, it, it eventually, um, got to the point where. We couldn't really get together and and do the group podcast anymore and stuff like that, and um we tried the the Zoom stuff or whatever, but it didn't work out. So I had to expand a taste to consider podcast because I didn't want to be be um in a box of just talking about mental health stuff because that's pretty much what my blog is for. Uh, that's what I'm writing my book for and because i'm just i'm just not all about mental health you know what i'm saying i have a lot to say um people who really know me know that you know what i'm saying i'm very passionate about the things that i'm in that i'm into that i research that i read stuff like that so i had to expand the podcast so eventually that's that's what it progressed to um and right now that's we here you know um one thing about doing uh, Taste to Consider podcast, I've learned a lot of things, both uh, on the, the negative side and positive side. But overall, you know what I'm saying? They they come to be positives, you know what I'm saying? Even the negative. But like some of the things that I learned is that, you know what I'm saying, um, people outside of your inner circle are going to support you more than your inner circle, more than your friends, your family and stuff like that. I've, I got more support from uh, people outside of my friends and family circle than I do, you know what I'm saying, that that suppose that quote unquote inner circle. And I learned that um, people will misinterpret things that you say. Um, people will judge you for the things that you say people will take certain things that you say personally um doing this podcast um relationships (laughs) change for the better and the worse but I ain't gonna say the worst because you know I'm saying everything happens for a reason that's what um that's the 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 path that I choose to believe in the path. I choose to walk that everything happens for a reason. But, yeah, certain relationships changed. Um, I really, truly found out who really supports me, who who doesn't. Um, I also um, learned some things about myself um, that I – that as I've gone even before doing the podcast, like, um, and going through therapy and stuff like that, that the podcast has helped me to uh reestablish my voice, my confidence in my voice, the things that I have to say, the things that I believe in, and stuff like that. Um, it allowed doing the podcast has allowed me to also um reassess some of the insecurities and some of the anxieties that I have about myself about the things that I say the things I believe in my voice and stuff like that and you know what I'm saying overall the podcast has been a great thing for me because it's allowed me to to grow it's allowed me to build my confidence it's allowed me to um build relationships with other people outside of you know i'm saying my my friendship group or my family and stuff like that to the point where i've gotten speaking engagements and stuff like that and um i've gotten people um asking to work with me and stuff like that wanting to be on the podcast and stuff like that so um a lot with me also learning things about myself and reestablishing things about myself, it also has uh, opened up doors for me where people have been able to see who I truly am and stuff like that. And, you know, everybody's not going to like me. Everybody's not going to like the things that I have to say. And that's why I titled the podcast A Taste to Consider, because um, the things that I have to say, the things that I believe in and stuff like that. It's not going to resonate with everybody so but the whole point is is to be open to hearing uh other people's opinions their perspectives and stuff like that on life and their experiences in life you know what i'm saying because even though a lot of people go through the same things they view it differently and that's what it takes to consider podcast is all about um i'm not here to Uh, convert anybody to do anything or have people conform to the way that i think and stuff like that it's all about opening the the space for people to actually have conversations without getting caught up into your feelings and stuff like that so uh three years in taste to consider podcast um I'm thinking back right now in my head. I'm thinking about when I did the photo shoot for the podcast and stuff like that. I probably should do a new photo shoot. Um, yeah, but I have grown. I have expanded the podcast. Um, like I said, this year um, I've been meaning to be more intentional about certain things. And that's why I've been more intentional about uh, my YouTube page and stuff like that. Um, I got some new things coming. Um, I wanted to wait until Mercury Retrograde was over before I, uh, introduce those new things to everybody. If you know about Mercury Retrograde, then you know why I'm waiting. But yeah, um, yeah, follow me on Instagram at Taste to Consider Podcast, greatest.i.am.blog. And also I have my personal Instagram page, um, if you're following the Taste to Consider podcast or greatest.i.am.blog, then you know what my personal page is. Um, but yeah, everything is open. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So, a milestone. Three years in personally, five years total of podcasting. So, let's get into the rest of the show. Let me see where I'm at. Uh, Oh yeah, excuse me. Burp number one. One thing I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna lie. One thing that like with me doing the podcast, me doing my blog and stuff like that, uh, I was naive to the fact that I was I honestly. Well, I ain't gonna say I was totally naive to it, but I hoped that you know what I'm saying by me when I started my mental health blog back in twenty seventeen and started uh podcasting in twenty seventeen and then just being more um focused on my personal podcast i I ain't gonna lie. I thought that you know what I'm saying me being vulnerable about my experiences with um My mental health and stuff like that that it wasn't going to be any judgment and that was definitely naive on my part and I think a reason why um one of the reasons why I became uh I became naive about it was because when I first started my blog and stuff um i received a lot of praise i received a lot of praise uh about my blog um i got a lot of dms i got a lot of emails and stuff like that about my blog and stuff so i thought that you know in the midst of the the blog and then starting my personal podcast that there was going to be there wasn't going to be any judgment but that ain't the case. Like I already said, you know what I'm saying? Relationships have changed since I've done the podcast. People misinterpreted um, things that I've said. People have um, taken things that I've said personally. And I'm not, you know, solely putting like that 100% on other people. You know what I'm saying? Because maybe I did um, say things that or maybe I didn't um, make sure that things were catered or said the right way or whatever. But, nah, honestly, man, nah, fuck that. Nah, because anything that I've said on this podcast has always came, uh, always been from a good place. Um, The intentions were good and stuff like that. And like I say, you know what I'm saying, everybody ain't going to, I already know that everybody not going to like the things you say, Everybody not going to like you and stuff like that. But I think, like I already said, I think, that initial part of me starting the blog and stuff like that and then starting the podcast, I, I received so much praise that I, I didn't think that I would receive judgment. But like, you know, what I'm saying that cliche saying of hurt people, hurt people and all that other stuff. And, you know, people project and stuff like that. So, like, I've received judgment from a lot of the things that I've said on the podcast, which never really came from a bad place. And at times it has been discouraging, particularly because it came from people that, you know what I'm saying, I thought that we had a relationship to the point where a uh, conversation would be had before things would be taken personally. But yeah, so me doing the podcast, is, it was, has been a, a big learning experience and uh a, a a relearning experience of how you know what i'm saying the world reacts to people being authentic and telling their truths and being vulnerable and stuff like that so yeah it's definitely made me stronger it's definitely made me be like i don't give a fuck you know what i'm saying because that was when i was younger and i was a hothead and stuff like that i didn't care about a lot of things but when i started getting into more friendship relationships and stuff like that and you know i'm saying platonic relationships romantic relationships and stuff i started people pleasing and stuff this was before i was going to therapy so you know i talk about how you know a lot of the depressive and anxiety and stuff comes from building habits and you get those patterns going you get those habits going and then you think they're natural you think they're normal you think that's, you know what I'm saying, it's like second nature, but fuck that, you know what I'm saying, all the things that I I say and I do um, on this podcast has been coming from a good place and been with good intentions and stuff like that, but it's definitely been an eye-opener to see how people really look at you and see you and and perceive the things that you say and stuff like that, so Yeah taste to consider podcast (laughs) um let's get into the blackety black woke segment uh yes let me see where i'm going to start with the blackity black woke segment um let's start here i got a clip for y'all from y'all from y'all president let me pull this clip up
2: let me see There's a lot going on uh, right now, but the idea we're going to be able to, you know, click a switch, bring down the cost of gasoline is not likely in the near term, nor is it with regard to food. There's a lot.
0: So that was your president. And he said, quote, the idea we're going to be able to click a switch, bring down the cost of gasoline is not likely in the near term, nor is it with regard to food. But they can give $50 billion to Ukraine out of nowhere for their supposed war. Yeah. <laughs> this, this y'all man right here. This y'all man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I swear. Where where am I at? Um, yeah. So... I mean, what else what else can I say? Like, you know what I'm saying? You can vote who for whoever you want, you can believe in who whoever you want. But my whole point is and this is what I discussed on the last podcast, like these people are human beings just like us. Y'all got to stop thinking looking at these politicians, these celebrities, these business executives and stuff like that like they're just holier than thou or they're upper echelon. You know what I'm saying? Or oh, they're they above us. You know what I'm saying? These niggas are flesh and blood just like us. They got minds just like us. They, You know what I'm saying? So they, they can be easily influenced. They can be easily um, controlled as well. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, man. All right. Where am I at? Speaking... Speaking of food, based off of his quote, right, some of the past episodes I talked about how all these mysterious uh, food plants and stuff like that or food distribution centers and stuff were catching fire, exploding, planes crashing into them. So this past week, tens of thousands of chickens killed in a mega egg farm fire in Minnesota. Three million eggs a day produce for supermarkets across the United States. Come on, man. Y'all have to see that these bammers are doing this shit on purpose. <laughs> like, this, everything ain't a coincidence. Everything ain't a conspiracy. Like, this is what I be talking about with facts over feelings. The fact is, they've been forecasting these these gas prices going up they've been forecasting these food shortages and then all of a sudden you see all of these situations where food distribution centers or food plants and you know what i'm saying places like this that i just described going up in flames blowing up planes crashing into them and stuff like this this is sabotage <laughs> like come on man these these people are flesh and blood, man. Y'all got to stop thinking because somebody is on the, t- the TV the tell the tell live vision <laughs> that these people are righteous and moral people. No, no, they aren't. <laughs> these people are easily influenced. Easily controllable, easily programmable. Like us, like we have been throughout our lives. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Let me. Uh, I didn't really want to talk about this stuff because it's been it's been a minute since it happened, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, particularly for the fact because it the news all of a sudden hasn't been talking about it that much. The Buffaloes. The Buffalo mass shooting that happened, right? And like I said, it's June 3rd. And since that Buffalo shooting, there's been some more mass shootings that have been televised on mainstream media. But we got to be honest about this. I'm a black man in America. And mass shootings happen often. Honestly, they they happen often. Think about it. Think about your experience as a human being in the United States of America. Mass shootings happen often. So why do they pick and choose what mass shootings they want to cover? And I'm not saying that these situations aren't real, but what I'm saying is that they choose certain mass shootings to use as propaganda, this a taste to consider podcast, so I always try to come from different angles that's that's one thing about me uh my mind i I don't stick to one narrative or or one story of something. I try to hit every angle of it. I try to research every angle of a situation, of a story, of a narrative to try to find the gray area. Because, like I said, a lot of times we too, the way this society is, is a microwave society. So we choose to only look at the black and white of a situation, especially when it's something that's given to us, not something that we actually experience. So. These mass shootings, um, we know guns can be an issue. But we tend to be, we are fed from the mainstream media, the politicians and stuff like that, that guns are the problem. Guns are a problem. I'll say that. But that doesn't mean I don't believe in the Second Amendment. What I will say is people are the problem as well. If you remember a couple of episodes ago when I talked about how people always tend to blame love on their bad relationship experiences. Love isn't the problem. It's people that's the problem. People who have certain habits certain patterns certain perspectives certain perceptions and stuff like that you know what i'm saying so what actually is the problem when it comes to guns and people is it really the guns or is it people you can take away the guns but there's still going to be people out here with their extreme mindsets their racist mindsets their bigot mindsets and all that other stuff or people who just may have mental illness you you hear that, that term thrown around a lot when it comes to white mass shooters, mental illness, when they, you know what I'm saying, try to um, paint a picture of them in the media or their defense when they do these things. And that is something crazy to me when a person actually goes out and shoots five people, but then we sitting here having an actual trial for them. Uh, you know what I'm saying? They committed the crime. And we know they committed the crime. So why are we sitting here having a trial for them? The justice system is just weird as hell. It's just fucking weird. And as a black person, we all know this. It's fucking weird as hell. But the black, the uh, Buffalo shooter, if you've been paying attention as you you read his manifesto. You saw it and all that other stuff. So we can... Based off of his manifesto and stuff like that and the things that was written on his rifle, if you saw the video and how he was going around in that grocery store shooting black people and then he came upro- upon a white person and actually apologized to that white person and then went along his way and started shooting black people again. We know he's a white supremacist. He's a racist. He's a bigot. He's an he's a all-around asshole. So his name is Peyton uh, Gendron. I don't know. Fuck that nigga. Um, He he was only charged with one count of first-degree murder despite killing 10 people. This is our justice system. This is our justice system, right? But, yeah. i'm kind of speechless because i'm just like after reading that like only one count of murder and he killed 10 people (laughs) killed 10 people but then like after the situation happened you have your politicians coming out talking their talk doing their political the political theater is the curtains have opened up political theater has started and then you have your analysts or your pundits, whatever the fuck you want to call them. And sorry for my language. Excuse me. Sorry for my language, but you can understand why I have the language that I'm having right now. But I'm gonna play a couple of clips for y'all, right? But it's 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 funny how when these situations happen where a mass shooter is killing black people. That you have these black politicians or these black pundits or analysts or whatever, they don't ever stick to just black people being targeted. They gotta make it about everybody else. So I'm gonna play a clip for y'all from y'all home girl, Miss Uh Chuck's and Pearls, and um, yeah. Let me pull the clip up.
4: Racism is real in America. It has always been. Xenophobia is real in America. It has always been. Sexism too. I said last year and I sadly say again today. We have had people in positions of incredible power in our country, scapegoating people with the biggest pulpits spreading this kind of hate. This requires these moments, sadly, tragically require us to ask, who are we as a nation and what do we stand for?
0: Now you see what I'm talking about, right? This is y'all home, girl. VP, hers, Miss Chucks and Pearls. This Buffalo shooting ain't have nothing to do with sexism or xenophobia or nothing like that. This had to do with point blank period racism, white supremacy. Why are you bringing this shit up? Why is it every time that we are targeted, they have to attach something else to it? This shit is by design. And I'm going to play another clip for you that shows you what I'm talking about. And it's from y'all boy, Reverend Isle. Reverend Isle. Supposed to be an activist for us, right?
1: But it's costing lives and it's not just lives in my community. And certainly I'm all over this. I've talked to the, many of the victims in Buffalo. I'm dealing with George Floyd's family that in a few days, it's the second anniversary of their killing. But if you can't just fight for your tribe, you've got to say this goes across Jews, Latinos, LGBTQ. Nigga, fuck that. Ain't
0: no Jew get shot. Ain't no Latino get shot. Black people got shot. And this is this, this the shit I be talking about right here. But people get so caught up into their feelings that they be defending this shit right here. They get so caught up into the symbolism of shit that they defend shit like this. They don't care about us. They don't care about us. Why, when we get targeted, they have to attach somebody else to us. It's black people. It ain't no, no BIPOC or no POC. Ain't no, ain't, ain't no, ain't no brown attached to the black. Honestly, we not even black if we want to go there. But I ain't gonna go there because that's gonna take us off path. But seriously, this is what I'm talking about right here we so caught up into celebrity gossip uh what album coming out or whatever trust me i love to have a good time i ain't always on the the black power activist type shit you know what i'm saying i fall victim to the shit as well you know what i'm saying but i will tell you this i will fight for myself and my people first before I get caught up into all these distractions and shit that they put us through and get caught up into my feelings and start defending these motherfuckers that don't defend us. They give us clear examples every fucking day that they don't care about us, that they not going to defend us. And this is what I always talk about with the Willie Lynch syndrome. If you go back and listen to my episode, Still Lynching, it talks about this. And I will keep referencing this, ref- referencing this. It's, I'm just all, <laughs> I'm just like, come on, can't y'all see this? Like, it's some people, and this is another thing that I learned about doing the podcast, that everybody, you, you can't help everybody, you can't teach everybody, you can't save everybody. You can't, but they give us clear examples that they don't give a fuck about us. How come every they giving billions of dollars to Ukraine, but they can't even just focus on us being murdered. They got to attach everything else. They give money to the Jewish community. They give money to Ukrainians. They give money to the Asian community. The Asian community was supposedly targeted during the pandemic. They gave them money. We getting gunned
2: down in the street. What?
0: Uh, Like I said, I'm just here to give you a taste. I'm not here to convert or get you to conform to my thinking. I'm just here to give you a taste to consider. Back to what I was saying. In response to the Buffalo shooting, 10 black people being killed by a white supremacist, right? The United States... House of Representatives by a vote of four hundred and twenty to one passed an anti-Jewish hate resolution because the murderer mentioned Jews in his manifesto. He mentioned Jews, but murdered black people. This is all a game. And like I said, I'm not saying that these incidents aren't real. They are definitely real. But there's a, a, an agenda behind it where a narrative is being pushed. But people don't want to go into the gray area. We just want to stick to the black and white area that's given to us. So fuck me for being the one who dares to research and look a little deeper. Oh, I'm I'm taking stuff too serious. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I don't know how to have a good time and stuff like that. But the more and more we don't pay attention, the, the more and more we lose. Liberties. It was House Resolution 1125 condemning rising anti-Semitism. I'm sitting here shaking my head because I'm like, bruh, the Bama killed 10 black people, but they passed some resolutions for Jewish people just because it was in the the manifesto. But it was so many. um, What else can I do? What else can I do? (laughs) Oh, man. Moving along. It was a quote that I found um, from Asada Shakur. She said, quote, "People, people get used to anything. The less you think about your oppression, the more your tolerance for it grows. After a while, people just think oppression is the normal state of things. But to become free... You have to be acutely aware of being a slave. bruh, black people are still slaves to this day we can We can go we can we can sit here all day and and go through social media and see all the black people uh flashing money, good cars, houses, businesses and stuff like that. Kudos. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But we are still mentally in slavery. We are still in portions of slavery. Majority of black males are incarcerated. And according to the 13th Amendment, they're slaves. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. And this is what I be talking about with uh, facts over feelings, because it's like people—people people don't really care about the truth unless it aligns with their beliefs, their narratives, or the collective, the the popular, the popular beliefs. You know what I'm saying? It's it, a lot of black people. Don't want to seem wrong. They don't want to feel shame and stuff like that. So it's easier to care about things that align with 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 those those lies or with that lack of shame or. You know, what I'm saying that that bias, you know, what I'm saying they want to have that confirmation bias, <laughs> that confirmation bias to. The lies that they tell themselves, based off of the lies that is pushed to them. It's an ego thing. It's an ego thing. It's a. It's a um. It's an insecurity. It's a wanting to, and part of that insecurity is wanting to be be accepted, wanting to belong in the system, or. Or rubbing elbows with the people and stuff. And that's what the last episode about when I was talking about for the culture. We think our culture is black excellence, black girl magic, getting money and and all this other stuff. But that ain't our culture. We think it's our culture, but it's, it's being pushed and it's being pushed upon us based off of some... White man or some white system. Think about the music, the movies and stuff like that. Murder, murder, kill, kill. You see all the stuff that's popular. I was in the barber shop yesterday and we was talking about how. Why is it that every. Well-known person who. Was speaking against or fighting against the system has been dead end up dead but all the shoot'em up and degrading our women or degrading ourselves as men and stuff like that is is being pushed and being polarized in the mainstream because they don't want us to have knowledge they don't want us to be better They don't want us to grow. Excuse me, they don't want, excuse me. They don't want us to see beyond the things that we have been taught from day one. That's the blackity black woke segment, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Let's
0: get into some uh, movie and TV reviews. So, I had the pleasure of going to a early screening movie premiere of a movie called The Royal. So, let me pull up the information for that so I can give you an accurate um, synopsis of that movie. I had the pleasure of going down to Howard University to the movie premiere. And the movie doesn't come out, the release date isn't until July fifteenth, 2020. Um the movie stars Armin Joseph. Armin Joseph, he's a um he's the actor on Snowfall. He's the uncle on Snowfall. And He's the main character in this movie. Lisa Ray is also in the movie. Um, I'm trying to find some people that is well-known. That's about it. But there's some other people in the movie that's well-known, but I don't think you would know them by name. Um, But it says, uh, The promising career of Kansas City Royals slugger, william willie mays akins quickly turns disastrous because of drug addiction sentenced to prison willie seeks redemption with his estranged family friends and ultimately with him with himself it's based on a true story um is based on the story of willie mays akins he was a, a professional major league baseball player for the kansas city royals he played for a couple of other teams as well as some uh teams overseas it it was a good movie i didn't know anything about it going into it but it was a it was a really good movie it was a redemption story um had the pleasure of armin joseph he was there as well as willie mays akins um, they did a Q&A session after the movie was over. The movie was about an hour and 30 minutes plus. Uh, not too long. Um, yeah, it was a very good movie. I ain't going to lie. It was a very good movie. Um, like I said, I, I went in not knowing what to expect. But I was very pleased with uh the movie and during the Q&A portion Felicia Richard who is the dean of uh the I don't want to mess it up uh what department is she the dean of um um dang. and I don't know if it's the performing arts uh department or or what but, yeah, don't don't judge me. <laughs> but, yeah, she did the Q&A session with Amon Joseph and Willie Mays Aiken. I had a chance to shake their hands and, you know what I'm saying, speak with them and stuff like that. But it was a very good movie. Look out for it July 15th, 2022. And um, it was very interesting to see this story because um, to see how... Because one of the main parts of the story was the drug laws, um, the disparity in the drug laws of crack cocaine versus powder cocaine. And that played a big role in the story and and, um, Willie Mays Aikens, his, his sentence and stuff like that. And also the movie was about you know what I'm saying how he reestablished his relationship with his family and stuff like that and Armmond Joseph, who plays uh the uncle in uh snowfall, he did a great job um yeah it was a it was a really good movie I enjoyed it um I enjoyed the experience to uh, meet meet those individuals um what else I also had a chance to uh watch and finish the whole series of The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. Turned out to be a good uh series. And I recommend that. The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. Netflix, they gotta try hard to <laughs> to get their their um this shows and, and stuff back up because yeah you can't be raising the price and shit and you ain't giving out good content or whatever all your good shows are ending ozark ended um stranger things just popped back up the last season um i finished the part one of the last season which was very good part two of it is coming out in july but yeah, all your all your good shows and shit is going off. So you raising prices and shit at the wrong time. <laughs> but um yeah, check out uh Lincoln Lawyer. Also, another series that I finished watching that I've been into for a while is Bosch. I talked about Bosch on the podcast before. The show Bosch was um was uh created and written by the the people who did the wire and it was on amazon prime at first but uh, it eventually ended i think it ended uh back in 2020 but now they have a spin-off which is not really a spin-off because it's all the same it's pretty much all the same main characters um but it's called Bosch Legacy and it's on the IMDb network which is now called Freebie. Free V F R E E V E E Free V Network, but yeah, the show's still good as hell. Like, um, I finished the uh new season of Bosch Bosch Legacy, it's 10 episodes, but yeah, the new season ain't nothing changed. It's still a great ass show, so yeah, all the people who are in the Bosch, all the people who haven't watched Bosch, you can go to um, start from season 1 I recommend Bosch because if you're a fan of The Wire then you'll be a fan of Bosch because it it has the same feel to it it's a crime drama it, it got action in it. it got good drama it keep you it got suspense to it is it's a good show um I watched this documentary man on uh HBO Max called The Scheme and it came out in 2020 and it says Christian Dawkins opens up about how he wound up at the center of an a, an extensive FBI investigation into college basketball corruption. Man, this was a wild ass documentary. It's uh it was it was a 2-hour long documentary, but it was it was worth it. And the main character character of the documentary i mean it's a true story but christian dawkins he's a black dude and he was a very intelligent dude right and n- no spoilers but basically this documentary uh showcased how the fbi basically entrapped him into a college basketball corruption case The dude really didn't do anything wrong, but the FBI was so content on getting somebody caught up into a corruption case that he he had no way out. And it's sad because it's like I always say, like, police really don't care about catching the real person who committed the crime. All they care about is closing the case. You know what I'm saying? And going back to the wire. If you if you've been a fan of the wire, you see how um obsessed police departments and the mayors and the governors and stuff are so obsessed with statistics. They don't care about really solving anything or getting anything right. All they care about is numbers. Numbers, statistics, and how they look to the people. Or you know what I'm saying, polling numbers. Crazy. But yeah, check that show on HBO Max. It's called The Scheme. Back to HBO Max, and I'm gonna be done with the uh, movie and TV reviews. We Own This City. We Own This City is also done by the writers of the writers and producers of The Wire, but this one is based off a true story, and. Is based on the Baltimore, the police department corruption. It's based on a unit called the Gun Tracing, uh, Gun Tracing Task Force unit, and the corruption that was going on with that. It's six episodes, but what was interesting about me watching that, um, that show is one particular part of it where, um, uh, let me make sure I pull up the, let me make sure I say the guy's name right um, let me see um, let me see, um, Where's his name, Where's his name his name is Sean Suter he was a Baltimore detective that was part of the, he was one of the characters in We Owned the City and he was a real person but they highlighted his story in the six episodes of We Own The City. And he was played by um, Marlowe. the character Marlowe in The Wire, that's who played Sean Suter in We Own The City. And Sean Suter is no longer with, with us, right? And I encourage everybody to go watch this series is six episodes. Watch the series, right? And after you watch this series, I want you to watch a documentary that is also on HBO Max. It's called The Slow Hustle, and it says The Slow Hustle chron- chronicles the my- the mystery behind the still unsolved death of Baltimore Police Detective Sean Suter. And we own the city the show came out this year in 2022 the slow hustle came out in 2021 i encourage you to watch the show first to see the the uh, dramatization and then watch the documentary i usually like watching the documentaries before i watch the the dramatization but watch the show first before you watch the documentary because it is a lot of controversy and um crazy corruption shit going around bought Balt- this Baltimore police detective Sean Suter's death he he once worked with the uh gun tracing task force of the Baltimore Police Department that was corrupt. But it was a lot of it's a lot of questions and mystery around his death, because I'll give this this part away. He was scheduled to testify. He actually he actually died the day before he was scheduled to testify against some of the officers who were part of the Baltimore Gun tracing task force. So, yeah. That should, you know what I'm saying, ring. That should give you some type of, uh, some goosebumps around what I just said to make you watch these two, um, <laughs> these two shows. Yeah, but it, it It's crazy. It's crazy. And his family is still trying. Sean Suter's family is still trying to find the truth around his death because it's been conflicting reports from the police department and from the family and from investigators and from journalists around Sean Suter's death. Very interesting, but very sad at the same time. Yeah, and that's it for the um, Black D, Black Woke segment. I mean the uh, movie and TV's review. Damn, I'm all over the place. But um, last episode for the culture, I played a clip for you about a, uh, a a woman therapist, a black woman therapist, and how she was saying that it was hard for her. She she was doing she does a lot of couples therapy, and she said it's hard for her to find humanity in black men. So I said I was going to revisit that. So I'm gonna revisit it so let me um let me play the clip that I played from the last episode All right, here we go hi,
4: so here's this thing that I've noticed um so I'm a I'm a therapist, licensed psychologist. I work with women primarily, black women, and I work with a handful of couples. Couple revelations. I haven't seen any of my couples this week. And I realized that my energy at the end of the week was different, notably different. And I connected it connected it to the fact that is because I'm not seeing the couples. And the couples that I'm currently working with are all heterosexual couples. And the emotional labor for me to see the men in the relationship as full whole human beings who are deserving of love and empathy is sometimes overwhelming because of the way that I see them engage with their women partners and the way that I see the women partners overcompensate for their male partners, lack of empathy, lack of compassion, lack of emotional intelligence, lack of responsiveness, lack of accountability. It's exhausting. Women who are in loving, intimate relationships with cishet men are doing a lot of emotional labor in addition to a lot of additional...
0: De- All right, I'm going to cut this off. I'm tired of her voice, honestly, because I had a chance to revisit this myself before I got to record. And I talked about it on the last episode about how... Um, this this term emotional labor and it's a real term it has a definition behind it and everything and how she described it is accurate but with her being a therapist she shouldn't be holding any emotional labor towards the people that she is supposed to be treating supposed to be giving tools to supposed to be having discussions with and stuff like that that was the number one quote-unquote red flag for me is that you're holding emotional labor for for people that you shouldn't be holding for you know what i'm saying you can granted, it you can empathize and have compassion and stuff like that but you shouldn't be holding emotional labor for some for another person's relationship and and with me just listening to the the clip again right now and how she started off and pointed out the fact that she meet primarily she meets with black women and then she said she has a handful of couples so she already to me it already shows that she has a bias and if you go back to the last episode, I talked about how I went, I dug a little deeper and I researched her and stuff like that. She. A lot of a lot of the things that she uh, tw- tweets or retweets and stuff like that has a feminist mind, has a feminist narrative around it. Or a feminist agenda around it, like the only men that I see her dealing with or interacting with is gay black men no straight black men or whatever so it seems like she has some sort of um issue or something with black men and this is just based off of my assessment of going through her background of what she presents to the public right i'm gonna finish playing the clip there's only a couple of minutes left but yeah Domestic labor, especially if there's a marriage and households. But let me stop her right there. One one of the things that she said, she made it a general statement of saying that black women have to hold a lot of emotional labor with their significant other, their who's a black male. Right? So how are you able to throw out that general statement just based off of what you said, a handful of heterosexual couples that you meet with? And just watching the video and looking at her mannerisms and stuff like that, she is very triggered and bothered by the things that she claims to see from these black men in these sessions the math they math in these relationships and
4: sometimes the responsibility for me as a therapist to be objective and to hold the space of serving the couple
0: is effort see she says she has to give effort to actually be objective in these situations that's that's a problem right there man like i know i know therapists are supposed to go to therapy i that's supposed to be part of you know what i'm saying them being a therapist but it seems like she's definitely holding a lot of like she said emotional labor in these situations so she's getting triggered a lot in these situations so she's obviously having an issue in these spaces so she probably shouldn't be treating couples as as well as treating black women in the in the sense of if they're discussing their um their romantic relationships with men because
4: i really Really want to talk to the men and help me build the men's emotional intelligence and the men's capacity for emotional discomfort and the men's ability to regulate their.
0: And I get it. Um, I'm not going to say most or majority of the men, but some men. Yeah, they aren't emotionally intelligent. They aren't emotionally mature. But as I've also stated, we can't just always just run with this narrative of because women are more emotional than men, that that means that they are emotionally intelligent and emotionally mature. I just seen a video of a black woman throwing a black man's mother, dead mother's ashes over a bridge she was arrested and charged for it for um um i don't know verbatim but the charge was something about um mishandling or or deco- uh vandalizing a, a a corpse or something like that you know what i'm saying so her doing that That shows that she doesn't she's not emotionally mature. She's just emotional. (laughs) She's most emotionally immature. And I think we got to get out of this narrative that just because women are more emotional than men, that they're more that they actually have emotional intelligence and emotional maturity. And I'm not. And like I always say, I'm not here for this this um man over woman type thing because I'm a man. I'm here for us working together, getting things together, Um, black love, black family, all the cliches you want to say. You know what I'm saying? Not, not the social media shit, the real shit, doing the work shit. You know what I'm saying? Not the cute, loving videos and pictures of shit, but the actual sitting down, working together shit. You know what I'm saying? But... There is a program, a narrative, and an agenda out there that trumps black men. And keeps them in a place where they have no space to express themselves. And. Hey, what do you get? More of this back, back and forth gender wars fighting shit but let me play some more clips from her i didn't get to do that last episode so let me let me do that because it's some it's a it's a part two to that first video that i can get to play so let me play that
4: and help build the men's emotional intelligence and the men's capacity for emotional discomfort and the men's ability to regulate their
0: own emotions
4: and the man's ability to be accountable for their behaviors
0: one thing is interesting about her bringing up behaviors right like i already referenced that black woman who did what she did with (laughs) her her boyfriend's mother's ashes because i don't think i yeah i didn't i didn't put this in the first time he cheated on her right so her The way she reacted to him cheating on her from what the story was told to throw his mother's ashes over a bridge. (laughs) It's not funny, but I mean, like we sit here and talk about reactions all the time and behaviors and stuff. But it seems like. Black men have no no space to behave anyway when it comes to a woman i just recently watched a video of a woman in that that was a manager at a dollar general store pulled a black man's hair sprayed mace in his face and was trying to throw him out the store the bl- the black man was not trying he didn't hit her he didn't touch her or nothing it was other black men in the store who actually told him not to do anything while they were videotaping it. And they told him not to do anything so you can have proof of, you know, I'm saying, so you can sue or whatever. <laughs> so in this video, right, this woman, she looks black, but obviously she's uh, of Latino descent. So, she, you know, what I'm saying I don't know if she identifies as black. She can be considered black, but it's all about if she identifies as black. But (laughs) it was other black women that worked in the store that were that were just letting allowing this this woman to put her hands on this black dude. And then the moment that he tried to get away from her, he didn't hit her or anything. He was trying to push his way off of her. She was grabbing his his locks soon as he started to try to push his way off of her then the black woman the other black woman who worked in the store rushed to the to the other woman's defense and told the guy to stop when he was just trying to get away from her this is the narrative that is out here in the world that we have you know what i'm saying but let me go back to the clip i know i went off tangent so
4: for all you hat women especially black
0: I don't. I don't know what cis head stuff is. You know what I'm saying? So heterosexual women, heterosexual men. I mean, we gotta. And that to me, that's another red flag right there. That you going off and 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 using these these new terms that is part of the LGBTQ community and which is which us heterosexual people don't identify as and really don't understand you know what i'm saying that's not that's not really part of of our vocabulary or or our community but like i've already referenced she she's already has that feminist mindset she all the men that she interacts with identify as gay males and stuff like that and I don't know if they actually identify as gay males. they might identify as something else, but you know what I'm saying. You see what I'm saying? It's like a it's like a narrative put in place here with how sh- how she's speaking. Back to the clip.
4: Cshead women that are out there thugging it out in love with a Cshead black man, I see you. Your labor is noted.
0: So she only she only recognizes black women. No not she's supposed to be a therapist, right? I've been going to therapy ever since 2013. I'm about to be going on 10 years of going to therapy. And in in my experience of going to therapy and in my experience of being a mental health advocate and stuff like that, You aren't supposed to have any bias toward either or, you know what I'm saying? You're supposed to be very objective in these situations unless there is, like, clear cases of abuse or something like that. But she doesn't know. It's obvious she don't know how to be objective in these situations. But there's some other clips. I'm going to play these clips so y'all can get the full story of everything but i will say you know what i'm saying like it's just it's just unfortunate and it and like i like i've discussed on this podcast plenty of times my most successful um my most successful um experiences with with healing and therapy and stuff came from a black woman a therapist but it's like she is lacking the understanding of men's emotions and how we were programmed and how we were brought up to think and stuff like that. And she's perpetuating the, the stigma of, of why men shut shut down, particularly black men, why black men shut down, why we don't discuss our feelings, why we don't feel safe in, in these settings of therapy and stuff like that. But let me go back to the um to the other clips because there's some other ones. All right, let me see. Mm-hmm. Here we go.
4: It's complicated, right? So let me let me give you an example, right? What I see is happening a lot of is working hard as the woman to understand the man's perspective, take into account their history, their childhood, their current context, their stresses, et cetera, and then do a lot of internal justification and making sense of that and using that as a way to then temper their response, right? Which means the woman is doing the work that the man should be doing.
0: I understand what she's trying to say and I get it because I'm not going to sit here and say that these situations aren't real because I know that they are real because I've experienced it and I've seen it um, offhand or whatever. Yes, there is a lot of women out here who have who do um, take a lot of responsibility on the emotional side of of a man because he doesn't understand his his his. um his feelings or his emotions he doesn't know how to express them and stuff like that but at the same time it's hard for me to really believe what she's saying based off of the previous videos and her lack of objectivity and her bias but i'm I'm, gonna finish playing the clip
4: so as an example There's an argument that happens, or let me say it this way. There's a disagreement about how something should be done or who was responsible for something. The man pops off loud, argumentatively, not really listening. And then the woman, even when she requires an apology, even when she has a boundary to say the way that you just engaged with me was unacceptable... That's sort of where it ends. That's where the lack of accountability happening. So what happens is the woman then goes, well, I think it's because this has been happening at work. And I know this about his childhood. And I know he's this sort of personality. And I don't have, you know, expectation for him to really know better. And then the man never has to do more internal work beyond that. I see things like. um,
0: And this is where my issue is with with her. Because I get what she's saying, I totally get it. I understand it, and I and I can I can receive it as it being possible. I'm open to the fact that it that these situations happen because I've seen it, I've seen it, and I've been I've I've actually experienced it based off of me first going to therapy and stuff like that, and not truly understanding how to express my feelings and emotions. And one thing that I've always I've always talked about on this podcast is that men usually only know how to express themselves through anger and competition and stuff like that. So I get it. But my whole thing is instead of you sitting here making these TikTok videos and giving these examples of it, like you you're trying to justify your your bias or your lack of objectivity as opposed to actually Sitting here giving these people solutions in their session and giving these solutions in these TikTok videos, it's like she only wants to point out the justification of why she feels the way she feels.
4: Um, all the additional little things that happen in life birthdays, anniversaries, holidays. The woman holds the labor for that. Even when I see co-parenting happening, that the woman ends up being the more dominant parent in the child's eyes. Like I've heard so many women say they're on a work call or they're in the middle of doing something or they're trying to rest and get a nap. And the kids bypassed the dad to go open a bag of chips or to help them get a cup of milk or figure out homework, right? And the women respond. It looks like... The women being thoughtful about when they can bring up certain topics.
0: All right, so I think it's a part two. Here we go.
4: Respond. It looks like the women being thoughtful about when they can bring up certain topics and have serious conversations at a time where they can quote unquote catch him. It looks like them. Sometimes shrinking themselves in their careers or not being able to celebrate their wins in their lives because they don't want to make their man feel less than.
0: And I get that. I totally get that. There, There's a lot of people out here, particularly in what let me just focus on what she's saying there. I've seen men who have been insecure about their woman making too much or them having success in their career and stuff like that. I get it. I understand it. I totally get what she's saying, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dispute that. But what I'm saying is, don't use that as a justification for you to have your object, your lack of objectivity and your bias to on for the woman, and not giving this man solutions or tools to use to better himself. Why is it a thing of it being of? Oh, Lord, I'm hold, I got to hold this emotional labor for this woman because her man, her, her boyfriend or her husband is doing this and doing that or whatever. Give this man tools and solutions. And if he can't rock with it, then you know how to speak. You should know how to speak to that woman for, and give her the tools and solutions to make her own decisions on what she needs to do whether she's going to leave stay or go because therapists aren't supposed to be aren't supposed to be telling you what to do they're supposed to be giving you the tools and the solutions and stuff on you making your own decisions on you healing and stuff so you are better able to make decisions for yourself excuse me damn
4: that's what I'm seeing a lot of. If other people have other examples, drop them in the comments. Let's have this conversation. Let's stop hiding in the shadows about this shit.
0: Okay, I think it's some more clips. Let me see. I think this is the last one right here.
4: Ago I made a post um, for cis-hat women in loving intimate relationship with cis het men.
0: And my audience is... You see how she keeps referencing the woman first and stuff like that and and how she said the heterosexual women are having these loving relationships with the men. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like she keep holding this bias even though. But these two, these next two clips right here is basically it's coming from she's got some backlash at this point and now she's trying to clean it up. So I'm going to play these two clips and we can move on
4: specifically Black women, Um, that's my clientele, that's who I served, and that's the experience I was drawing from and speaking to. But I also know that the comments that I made and what I shared resonated with women across racial and ethnic groups. The video got a lot of engagement and a lot of um, comments. And so some of the comments um, I wanted to address, and that's really about healthy quote-unquote healthy relationship dynamics and one of the things i want to say is in my practice i rarely talk about healthy because as a bare minimum i don't engage in couples therapy in which there is not safety when there is toxicity that exists that
0: see she contradicting herself according to her the handful of couples therapy sessions that she have, or couples that she she uh treat that all the men are just you know what i'm saying doing whatever so according to, you know what i'm saying so isn't that toxic or isn't that bad or isn't that non-loving and all that other stuff so she's confusing me here so this is what i'm saying like she's only if you hear every time she stars on these clips or whatever and these are just clips That is only solely from the focus of a woman. So her as a therapist, she's supposed to be objective. She's supposed to have non bias She's supposed to be for the couple, not for the man or the woman. You know what I'm saying? And this is one of the reasons why a lot of men don't want to go to couples therapy. Because they feel as though if they have to deal with a woman therapist, that they feel that they're going to have to deal with a bias. And she's the perfect example of why men feel that way when it comes to couples therapy. I'm not saying this right, but I'm saying this is the stigma around it. And this is why I say that. When you deal with people, whether it's celebrities, politicians, business executives, therapists, coaches, whatever, these are just humans. You know what I'm saying? So ultimately, you can't be going out here looking for other people to save you, give you the answers, and all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? You have to put in the work yourself. Granted, you can go out here and get tools from other people, experiences, examples, wisdom, and stuff like that, but don't solely rely on other people to build you up or to heal you or to save you and stuff back to the clip
4: um borders on or that is abuse of any kind i'm not doing couples therapy and we'll make that clear so my statements and reflections were about couples trying to work through couple shit
0: so now now these were couples trying to work through shit but you was just saying that you can see these black men as humans and having feelings and stuff. See what I'm saying? She's trying to clean this shit up. Back to the clip.
4: And so I want to talk about that part for a second. Um, and what I want to say is like we are all walking around with some level of dysfunction. I'm a I'm a licensed psychologist who sees a licensed psychologist because I understand. That very few of us get out of childhood unscathed. And that many of us have other points along the road to adulthood that are filled with psychological wounding, toxicity, abuse, distress, trauma. Life is fucking hard. (laughs) Um, And so we bring all of ourselves and all of that into our romantic relationships. So I think it's an individual call. To determine when something is a limit for you.
0: And let me say this while I'm thinking about it. Couples therapy is cool. It's cool. But seriously. Don't rely just on couples therapy. The individuals in these these couples. These relationships. Partnerships. Whatever. Go to individual therapy. As well as couples therapy. Individual therapy should be the priority over couples therapy.
4: And that sometimes couples therapy is the process people use and need to determine where that boundary is for them. That when you're steeped in it, you don't always see it. And when I do couples therapy, um,
0: you can't just go to couples therapy and you ain't never experienced individual therapy in your life It's just, it's not going to work trust me it's not going to work you have to go to individual therapy before you start couples therapy because you have to start identifying the bullshit the trauma the the pain the hurt and stuff that you've gone through in your childhood and then all the habits and the patterns and stuff that you built up that bleed into or filter into your platonic and romantic relationships. Because that's all it is. A lot of times people are projecting the shit that they've gone through individually onto their partners or whoever they're dealing with in their day-to-day lives these are projections these are you are reliving moments and stuff like that so it's a constant um it's constant work to deal with yourself individually if you don't know how to have a relationship with yourself and and heal from the stuff that you've gone through and that you that you throw out into the world then there's no way you can actually have a, a successful relationship. I'm not even gonna say healthy relationship, a successful relationship. Because healthy, healthy can mean so many different things. I mean, suc- I mean successful could honestly too, but seriously, man. Like healthy, successful relationship, you just can't you can't obtain that and you not working on yourself you can't because it's just going to be a whole bunch of finger pointing going back and forth competitive shit going on whose hurt is more serious than the others you did this to me oh this is worse and all this other stuff no hurt is hurt pain is pain trauma is trauma it ain't it ain't no competition with that you know what i'm saying so work on yourself first let me play the 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 second part of of this last clip
4: to determine where that boundary is for them that when you're steeped in it you don't always see it and when i do couples therapy um i've i've worked with couples to help them decide that divorce was the right thing for them i work with couples before They get married and have some really hard questions to sort of really examine whether marriage is right
0: for them. I ain't heard her say nothing about helping nobody have a successful relationship or a healthy relationship. She jumped right to divorce and uh, the hard questions after you get married and stuff like that. I mean, like it's it seems like the energy around her just seems so, so stressed and so negative and stuff
4: to determine where that boundary is for them. That when you're steeped in it, you don't always see it. And when I do couples therapy, um I've I've worked with couples to help them decide that divorce was the right thing for them. I work with couples before they get married and have some really hard questions to sort of really examine whether marriage is right for them or not. Um I work with couples at the beginning of their relationship who want to ensure that they're engaging in best practices and that their shit doesn't show up but the decision about whether someone is in a toxic relationship um is in my purview but in relationship to the client themselves too
0: yeah man uh (laughs) oh man i I, i'm done i'm done with this topic i'm done with her (laughs) yeah so let me hurry up and finish this show because i'm about to go over two hours but yeah um let me see where i'm at um yeah but like i was saying like individual therapy is 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 important before you start engaging in couples therapy. You can do both at the same time, but still, individual therapy is important. Because, like, from the way social media portrays uh, romantic relationships and stuff like that, like, people, like, that is the number one trigger for people. Romantic relationships. Romantic relationships is what triggers the hell out of people. So, I got this... um. I came across this 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 post from uh, a page that I follow. And it was titled, Why Was I Triggered? A Guide to Self-Awareness. So, let me pull this up. Um, it's a thread, so. Let me pull this up so I can um, read it. I thought it was very informative. Um, here we go. Why was I triggered? It says, um, "I felt trapped." This event reminded me of a time when I couldn't say no, was pressured or forced to do something I didn't want to do. I felt misunderstood. I felt like someone was manipulating me or intentionally twisting my words. I felt like I was quote unquote bad. I've learned that parts of me are unacceptable and wrong. So in moments when I feel this again. I go into protection mode. I felt unheard. I felt like no one heard me, so I reacted in ways that would make sure I was heard because in my past, I was often ignored. I felt jealous. A part of me felt insecure, jealous because of unconscious beliefs that I am not good enough or won't be loved. I felt foolish. In the past, I was shamed for not knowing something or for parts of myself and my nervous system stepped in to protect me. Last, I felt inconsidered. I felt irreverent. Irrever- I'm true. I've been drinking. <laughs> I felt ir- irrelevant, like I don't matter, and completely unseen. And the reason I brought this up because you know what I'm saying we all get triggered, and a lot of times we aren't self enough to to. Uh, see our to know to see and know our triggers and a lot of times we we get so triggered that we just full-on react without you know what i'm saying taking a breath and actually you know figuring out what's going on in the moment so you know what i'm saying though those were examples of you know uh emotions underneath uh triggers and stuff like that so, we got to understand and and be self aware of our triggers, and I'm not saying it's excuse me it's always gonna be perfect because I get triggered sometimes, and I'm able to just you know what I'm saying brush it off, you know what I'm saying, I know that I'm being triggered at the moment, I'm able to say to myself, dirt, you know what I'm saying, this is a moment right here where. Um, you shouldn't take it personally or anything like that. But it's sometimes that, you know what I'm saying, I do take it personally. I'm triggered and I just I just jump, you know what I'm saying? I react and I'm like, you know what I'm saying, rah rah rah. You know what I'm saying? That's what it is. But at the same time, once after I do all of the you know what I'm saying, I do all that that anger stuff and all that, I'm able to sit back and be like, damn, you know what I'm saying? I was tripping. I was tripping, I shouldn't have did that, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes I apologize, sometimes I don't, you know what I'm saying? And and that's not, and and a lot of times when I I don't apologize, sometimes they, they got to do with ego or they got to do with shame and stuff like that, but I'm able to recognize that, you know what I'm saying? So it's all about being self-aware and understanding your triggers and understand when you react instead of respond and stuff like that. So, yeah, I thought that was something good to bring up. Let me see where I'm at. Okay. Now, bringing it back to the Buffalo shooting, right? This is something that I came across, and I I waited till now because it is going to go along with something else that – a clip that I'm going to play after this. But this has to do with the Buffalo shooting. So it was an article that came out that actually said – no, it wasn't an article. Somebody, a black woman made a YouTube video and the description of the video says, black men won't protect you, what I learned from the Buffalo mass shooting. I'm going to repeat that shit again. Black men won't protect you, what I learned from the Buffalo mass shooting. If anybody has kept up with the, the mass shooting in Buffalo, you know that a black man literally died Shooting back at the white dude, but he didn't have success because the the white dude, the white supremacist, the racist had on military body armor but this whole this this whole black dude um he was a security guard of the of the store, the grocery store, died trying to protect everybody in the store, but you see how this narrative and this, <laughs> this narrative is out here that black men don't protect black women. You see what I'm saying? Like this, this is a narrative that's out here. It's an agenda. And I'ma show you I'm gonna show you why I waited this late to uh bring this up. And I got a clip. This clip is coming from a black woman, right? Okay. <laughs> Lord have mercy, man. Uh, let me pull this clip up, man. It, it, this is this is discouraging. It's sad, and it, it 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 pisses me off a little bit, but not that much because I just know that. I mean, doing the podcast so long and being on social media, it's just this is the way that is. It's, it's just. Lord have mercy. I'm about to play the clip. Here we go. Damn wow (laughs) this is crazy (laughs) the i should have i should have recorded the clip i should have screen recorded the clip but the clip has been deleted the person who made the clip deleted the clip so basically what it was i'm gonna just give a synopsis of it a little it was a black woman she made a video and she was saying that um She was saying that black women want to want to feel safe. And this is quote. This was a quote from the actual video. She says, quote, we want to feel safe. And Jack Harlow is providing that safety to black women. It, if you know who Jack Harlow is, he's a. I guess he's a rapper. I don't know. I don't listen to his music. But what I have noticed is a lot of black women. I ain't going to say a lot of black women. I'm going to say some black women have been romanticizing over jack harlow jack harlow is a white dude he's a white dude from like middle america or some shit like that yeah the video is actually gone Damn. okay is this it okay 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 somebody uh put the video somebody screen recorded the video and put it in the comments so i'm gonna play it. here we go right here damn thank god
1: (laughs) huge part of the fan base
4: Black women are a large part of the reason why Jack Harlow has blown up the way he has. They're a huge part of his fan base and I think that this shows that the tides are kind of shifting a little bit. We want a rapper, we want to engage in rap music, but not one that makes us feel like shit. Not one that makes us feel degraded. Maybe we want a man with a little bit of swag, but not one that makes us feel deprioritized over every other type of woman. We want to feel safe and Jack Harlow is...
1: Providing that safety to black women.
0: Bruh. I swear you cannot make this shit up. We we are. And I hate to say this. Black people. We are lost man. We are far from gone. Bruh. This was a, literally a black woman saying that. This white rapper. Jack Hollow is, is providing safety for black women. I'm from the DC Merlin area I've grew up in DC as well as (laughs) Merlin we have a famous rapper here from from the area his name is Wale Wale love him some black women he makes a lot of music for black women and I'm using him as a reference because he was mentioned plenty of times in the comments over this video. But I will also say that there, there, have, there has been plenty of black rappers out here who has given it up and show love to black women. If you're on YouTube, <laughs> to my right. I'm holding my hand up in the air who do you see Tupac Shakur (laughs) I mean has he not done that (laughs) like granted she may be so young that she don't know who Tupac is and know what he the things the the music that he's made for black women and why does it only have to be um just rappers there's been plenty of R&B men out here who showed plenty of love to black women and stuff like this, and this is what I'm talking about with this romanticism, with and this program of this white prince, this 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 um prince charming, this white prince charming, and this guy who's going to save you or whatever. This is this is what's out here, you know what I'm saying? And it's discouraging and it's hurtful. And it's embarrassing that us black men have to deal with this because I'm a black man. I know plenty of black men. I'm 40 years old. I've, ex- I've had experiences with plenty of black men to know that there is tons of black men out here that love black women and want to protect them. But it's a narrative and it's an agenda out here that is being pushed that shows otherwise and granted i'm not sitting here taking away from other rap music that's out here that objectifies women and stuff like that that pushes a misogyny and stuff like that but at the same time who else is involved in that there are black women who's involved in that narrative and that agenda as well it's pushing that bullshit out here but let me move on away from this (laughs) I'm going to be civil (laughs) oh man I'm going to play this clip for you right here this is uh, from Tank the R&B artist and this this relates to what I just talked about and what you know I'm saying that clip that was just played here we go Sam Smith gets to sing a great song about stay
4: Mm-hmm. That goes straight to power rotation on a mainstream radio station. If I sing that same song, Stay With
1: Me, limited bandwidth. Because our violence isn't the threat, our love is.
3: Mm-hmm. Our, our, yeah.
1: our family separated it's fine it's perfect the man staying
4: with his family and raising his kids and pouring into his woman that's the threat
0: that's a threat mm. that's it a preacher that's
2: that's
0: amen
1: Praise that's God. A, <laughs> and, that's, and, that, and that's what r&b stands for and that's why r&b takes such a back seat
0: that's a threat black love is a threat man I'm going to end the podcast off here. I'm over two hours, and I just think this is just perfect to end it off. This was Tank on the Drink Champs podcast, and you heard what he said. Black love is a threat, black love is also our greatest weapon. Man, oh man. I'll be back to you next week. This is a Taste to Consider podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, a Taste to Consider podcast. Also, greatest greatest.i.am.blog greatest.iamblog.com a taste to consider.com um yeah i'm out here um i got stuff coming up pay attention to the socials because i got stuff coming up this weekend man yeah spotify google play apple podcast stitcher amazon youtube Make sure you follow, subscribe, share, you know what I'm saying, do all that stuff. I ain't going to sit here and beg y'all, it's, it's going to be is what it is, you know what I'm saying. I appreciate all the love that I get, I appreciate all the supporters. You know, I always got to end every episode off with a song. And since it is my anniversary, you know what I'm going to play, right? You know what I'm going to play. Let's go.
2: Sick and sit a podcast, let's go. To Consider Podcast Do you know what today is? Do you know what today is? It's my anniversary, it's yeah, anniversary. yeah. To the podcast. Yes, indeed. I'm just giving you a taste.
0: Anniversary edition. Let's go. I appreciate you. Talk to you next week.